All right, if you would open your Bibles again to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Passage Brother Jonathan just read for us. The title of the message this morning, Work Out Your Own Salvation. <clears throat> Our text begins in Philippians 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now let me remind you that we always have to be very careful when we're reading scripture that we don't take a verse out by itself and look at it by itself and say, this is what this means. Now you can't know the, the meaning of any verse of scripture until you've done at least three things, maybe more, but I know these three things. Number one, we have to look first at every verse of Scripture in light of the rest of the Scripture. You know, no one verse of Scripture contradicts any other verse of Scripture. It all has the same message. No Scripture, no passage, no verse is of any private interpretation. So the meaning of the verse we're looking at has to match the meaning of the rest of Scripture or, or we've got the wrong meaning. Number two, we've got to look at the verse in context of the, the passage that's around it. You know, what's the subject of, of this passage? And third, we have to look at to whom the passage is written. And even then, after you've done those three things, even then we're dependent on the Lord to, to show us the meaning, to, to reveal Christ to us in it. But you've got to do those three things, or you, you won't have the correct meaning of the verse. And here's why, this is a very good example of what I'm saying. If we're not careful, we'll lift this verse 12 out of Scripture and look at it by itself. We'll say, well, salvation is by works. I've got to work out my own salvation. Or at the very least, we'll think, well, I've got to keep my salvation by my works. God saves me, but I've got to work out my own salvation. We'll think it's by works if this is the only verse we look at it. Well, you know that's not so. Every person in this room knows that's not so. Well, let's see if we can find that out with our threefold test. Look first at, at Romans chapter 3. First, remember the first thing we got to look at is what does the rest of Scripture say? Let's look at just two verses here. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3 beginning in verse 19. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, by us working this out, working the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The only thing the works of the law can show us is how sinful we are. So salvation can't be by works of the law, can it? One more scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, the message of Scripture is salvation is not by works. No son of Adam can produce the perfection that God Almighty requires. Salvation is by grace. 
That's the only way a guilty sinner can possibly be saved, isn't it? Is by God's grace in Christ Jesus. That's the message of all of Scripture. So verse 12 in our text, when it says work out your own salvation, cannot be saying salvation is by works, can it? Because that contradicts the rest of Scripture. All right, second, what's the subject of the passage? Well, the subject of this passage, Philippians chapter 2, is the believer's attitude. How, what's our attitude toward each other? How, are, what is it, how is it we're supposed to treat each other? What motivates us to treat each other by, by grace, kindly and in love? Well, the believer is motivated by grace. We're motivated by the gracious, loving example that our Savior set in his sacrifice for the sin of his people. See that in, in verse 12, Philippians, or verse 5, Philippians chapter 2? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the subject of this passage. Let this mind be in you. All right, third, to whom is this passage written? Well, it's written to believers. Look, but the whole letter is written to believers. Look back at, at chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, the believers, those who are made holy, those who are saved, those who are saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. And in verse 12, he says, Wherefore, my beloved, my beloved brethren in Christ, those who I love in Christ, this passage is written to believers. It's not written to unbelievers telling them how to, how to be saved. This passage is written to believers who have already been saved by God's grace without their works. So we know verse 12 is not when it says work out your own salvation. It is not telling us salvation is by our works. Well, what does it mean? Well, the only way we can understand what verse 12 is saying is by reading it with verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If you've got any will and any ability to do God's good pleasure, it's because God's working in you. <laughs> it's not you. It's God working in you. Salvation is the work of God alone. It's all of God. God began the work of salvation in election when he chose a people to be saved. He chose those people to be saved by the merits of his son. Then God performed the work of salvation. God the Son came in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he obeyed God's law perfectly. He established righteousness. He brought in everlasting righteousness, and then he was made sin for his people. He took the sin of his people away from them, and he put it away by the blood of his sacrifice. God performed the salvation that he, that he promised. And then God applies that salvation. God the Holy Spirit applies that salvation by work of grace in the hearts of his people, by the new birth, when he causes a new man, a new nature to be born in them. Here they sit, some of them maybe years and years, hearing the gospel preached, and one day they hear it. One day they believe it. One day they love it. One day it's not just doctrine anymore. Now they're in love with Christ. They need him. They come to him. But what happened? The Holy Spirit applied that work. They applied the blood to the heart and gave the life and faith in Christ. God's the one who applies that work in the hearts of his people, but he doesn't end there. He doesn't apply it to their heart and then leave you have to work it out your own self. No, God's going to finish the work. Whatever he started, he's going to finish it. He'll finish the work. He's going to perfect all of his people. He's going to bring them to glory 
where every last one of them are made just like Christ. That is too glorious for this human mind to ever comprehend. To be born in the flesh in the son of Adam and end up in glory being made just like Christ. Oh my. Hasten, Lord, today. Don't you look forward to that? But it's not time for that yet. If it was, we'd be there, not here. So until then, the Lord's given us a work to do. He's given us something to do in our generation. Paul's going to talk about it later on here about shining his lights in this dark world. God's given us something to do for his glory to, in our generation, in our time. And the only way we can do it is by God working in us. God's got to give us the will and the ability to do it. Now, three points that I believe will be helpful in this matter. Work out your own salvation. And I'm going to combine the, the, the first two points into one. I don't think that's going to be too confusing because my first two points are questions. What are we supposed to do? And how are we supposed to do it? I want to deal with those two things together. Well, what are we supposed to do? Well, Paul says, work out your own salvation. Now, what in this world does that mean? <laughs> Work out your own salvation. Well, here's what it means. Remember, you got to look at it in light of verse 13. It's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It means that if God saved you, God's done a work of grace in your heart. He's given you a new heart. He's given you a new nature, a nature that believes Christ, that loves Christ, that loves salvation by grace, that wouldn't have it any other way, even if you could change it. You only want the righteousness of Christ. You only want the holiness of Christ. You want Him to be your all. You want Him to be your prophet, your priest, and your king. Your wisdom, your righteousness, your sanctification, your redemption. Oh, you love Him. And you trust Him. You believe Him. And you love His people. God's put that nature in you. Now work it out. It might be in there kind of deep. Work it out till it comes out to the outside. Let what God's put in your heart be seen on the outside. I tell you what working out your own salvation means. It means live like a child of God ought to live. Janet tells uh, me and her children all the time, please show the world I've taught you something. God's done a work of grace and he's made you a child of God. Now act like it. Live like, act like God's taught you something. <laughs> Conduct yourself like somebody's been born again. Every believer here claims I've been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. You claim it, now do it. <laughs> do it. That's what work, work it out. Well, preacher, how am I supposed to do it? Can you give me some specifics? How am I supposed to do that? Well, I can tell you. It's by looking to Christ. It's by relying on God to work in you. It's not trying to do it your own self. It's by relying on God to work in you. Working out your salvation means to live a life of faith. Everybody here has got a life to live. You've got families to raise. You've got jobs. You've got things you're supposed to do. Do those things depending on the Lord. Whatever it is that God's put to your hand to do today, do it with all your might. God's given you something to do today. Give it everything you've got and do it like the success of it depends upon your effort. 
while you know, I mean, you know it's not, but do it like the success of it depends upon your effort, trusting the Lord to make it effectual. Here we preach. We we plant, we water. Some effort goes in this thing. There's some effort, some prayer, some sweat, some tears. There's some seeking God's will, seeking his word. Lord, show me what this means. Give me the message for your people in this hour. Men have preached from this before. But Lord, what's your message for this hour for your people at this place? I mean, there's some effort that goes into this thing. And I don't shy away from it. But I'm telling you, we depend on God to give the increase, don't we? See, do with everything you got, but depend on God to give the increase. Give everything you got, but just you're we're depending on God to accomplish his purpose. I know I can't, but he can. Working out your own salvation is, is just it's live. Live your life trusting God. Live your life, center it around the worship of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. These other things be added to you. Now, I'm not saying these other things aren't, aren't important. I mean, buddy, you got to go to work. You, you, you need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to play. You need to enjoy time with your family. Do all those things. I mean, do them. Do them trusting the Lord, relying on Him to use you in His service. You just go to work tomorrow. I mean, you just you just don't know what door the Lord may suddenly open up for you to talk to somebody. Just live your life. Do what you got to do. Do what God, God giving you to do. Trust in Him. And I tell you what, work it out by prayer. We know it's God that worketh in us, both the will and to do his good pleasure. Well, Lord, give me the will. Give me the will to do what you give me. Give me the desire. Give me, give me the ability to do it. Lord, I believe you. I want to live a life of faith. I believe you. Lord, increase my faith. Increase our faith. Oh, enable me to do it. Now, Paul says, work this out. Now, when I think of working out, I think of physical exercise. You know, if, if you want stronger muscles, tell you what, work out by lifting weights. If you want a stronger heart, do some aerobic workouts, you know. Um, you you got to work this thing out. Emmy, if you want to hit that softball doing 200 miles an hour, moving up like, hey, you got to work it out, don't you? You got to practice. Work it out. That's what he's saying here. If God has saved you, he's put a new nature in you. Now work it out. Exercise it. Exercise it. Now let's look at this. Work out your own salvation in light of the rest of this chapter. Look back at verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy. Now if God saved you, He's put love. He's put compassion in your bowels in their innermost being. It's a... when. That nature born of God the Holy Spirit is a, is a loving nature. Now take it out and exercise it. Show your love for each other. Show your love for Christ by, by worshiping Him and following Him and being with His people. Take out, don't just say, oh, well, you know, I feel love for somebody. Take it out and exercise it. Show it. Love always acts. It has to act. And I tell you what will motivate it. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to exercise my love for you. Well, how am I supposed to do that? What motivates me to do that? Oh, by looking at Christ's love for me. 
Carrie, it's so undeserved. It doesn't have an end. It doesn't have uh, the depths of it. Can't be told. It's it's undeserved. Oh, God loves me. I mean, just I just can't get over that. That's what I'm supposed to do. Exercise my love for you. How I do it is by looking to Christ and pray. Work it. The work this thing out by prayer. Lord, give me the opportunity to show my love for each. Help one another out. Put it into action. All right, verse 2, Paul says, Fulfill ye my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Now if God has saved you, He's given you the mind of Christ. It's the same mind He's given every believer. The, the mind of Christ. And you do, you really do care about the gospel of Christ being preached. You do, you care about it being preached to our generation, to our town, to our little ones, to our friends. You care about it. You think on Christ. God's given you a mind that knows Him and trusts Him. Now take that mind out and exercise it. Exercise it. And one of the best ways that we can take that mind out and exercise it is by doing whatever it is we can do to help the gospel be preached in our town, in our congregation. And you might think, well, there's not one thing I can do to help that. Oh, yes, there is. Oh, yes, there is. Tell you how you can help the gospel be preached in power. It's by having one mind, one goal, one purpose. You help the gospel be preached in power by eliminating any arguments, any fussing, any fighting, any divisions over anything that's not Christ. You just just eliminate it. Because I'm telling you the truth. God cannot be worshipped in that attitude. Where we got, you know, five or six divisions and people are fighting and you know one of, one of the worst ways to hear the gospel. It's here, here's somebody preaching. Boy, I think, oh, I hope old so-and-so over here is hearing, hearing that because, you know, we, we got this thing between us. And I hope he's hearing this. That preacher's saying how wrong he is. God can't be worshipped in that atmosphere. Now eliminate those distractions by exercising the mind, the attitude that God has given you, and work it to the outside. You just make sure we're all of one accord. And if in some way we're not, is another way to, to work work it out. Work, have you ever told your kids they're fussing? You, you, you guys work it out. If there's some, work it out. Just, just, just work it out and get rid of it. Because this is our mind. I want to worship Christ. I want to worship God. I want His gospel to be preached. Well, we're going to do it when we're of one accord and one mind and one spirit. That's so. The way we do this, by help, help the gospel be preached, is seek, this is so simple, seek the glory of Christ, not your own glory. I mean, that's so simple. Just, I know we've all got that desire for self-glory and to be seen and things, but push that desire for self-glory down and exercise your new mind by seeking the glory of Christ. And again, work it out by prayer. Boy, this is this is a constant battle. 
Well, pray and ask, Lord, give me the will <laughs> to push my self-glory down and give me the ability to do it. That might glorify Christ. You know, if God saved you, He's given you some humility. Paul talks here about humility. Esteem others better than yourself. Anybody here happy with your humility? I bet not. I bet not. If we're proud of our humility, something wrong, isn't it? Now this just shows you a believer. I'm, I'm a believer. Born again, believe, got a new nature who is in the flesh. We say, we say this, I esteem others better than myself. I esteem them to have more faith and more love and, and more gifts and more abilities than I do. I, I esteem others better than myself. Let somebody else say I'm better than me and I'll be mad. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that pitiful? <laughs> this is not very humble, is it? Well, are you unhappy with your humility? Then take it out and exercise it. Work it out. Now, you know what humility is? Humility is not just this, oh, you know, I'm so awful. It's just, you know, I mean, I, I guess it kind of ends up being that if you have a right view of yourself. But humility is a just right view of ourselves you want a just view of yourself take this book out and read it almost every page maybe every page but you it's not going to be hard to find a passage that talks about the nature of fallen man you know it's not you're not gonna be hard pressed to find find a passage that talks about our weakness even for believers now, you're not, you're not going to be hard-pressed to open up this book and find an example of our weak faith. We just looked at it in the Sunday school lesson. Didn't we? I mean, it's easy to find how weak we are, how dependent we are on Christ every second of every day. Now, if God gives me a right view of myself, how dependent I am, how vile I am by nature, how, how weak and just unstable as water I am, I'll be humbled because I got a right view of myself. And I'll esteem you as better than me because I'll think, there's no way. There's no, there's just no way Eric can be can be worse than me. Of course I'm going to esteem him better than me. There's, there's no way. If you want to work out your humility, tell you what to do. Look to Christ. See, here's where we get proud is we start comparing ourselves with each other. One maggot comparing himself to another maggot. You want to work out your humility? Oh, compare yourself to the Savior. Verse 8. Now consider this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It wasn't wrong for him to say he's equal with God because he is. He is God. But what did he do? He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, you consider him. You consider what he's done for his people. When I see myself in light of Christ, when I see myself in light of his sacrifice, I've been thinking about this verse coming up in our study in Matthew. They nailed Savior to the cross and it says, and sitting down, they watched him there. 
Mm-mm-mm. If you want to exercise your humility, sit down and watch him there. What's happening on that middle cross? What my sin deserves. This is what I am. To cause the visage of the Son of God to be marred more than any other man. And he suffered that way to put my sin away. I am so vile, that's the only way my sin could be put away. Now consider yourself in light of his sacrifice. What that must mean we are. Oh, that'll give us the right view of ourselves. That's exercising our humility. If God has saved you, He's given you the spirit of forgiveness. And he has. He's put in you a nature of forgiveness. Now take that attitude out and exercise it. If, if one of your brethren has done something to you, maybe they meant to. More than likely they didn't, but whatever. Forgive them and move on. Just forgive them and move on. Because remember, we can't have this worship with these divisions and these strifes and oh, they've done this to me and they've done that to me, you know. Take that attitude of, of forgiveness out and exercise it. Forgive them and move on. Just move on. Like the policeman just there at Iraq. Move on, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Just move on, there's nothing to see here. We're of one mind. We're brethren. Now that's what we're supposed to do, forgive each other. How am I supposed to do that? Well, just like our humility, I venture to say nobody's happy with their ability to forgive and move on, are we? Well, I'll tell you, here's, here's, here's what you do. Exercise our forgiveness by looking to Christ. How did God forgive your sin? Hmm? Freely. Fully. By sacrificing himself. You think, well, that's going to that's gonna hurt me to, to forgive them. What did it cost the Savior to forgive you? Huh? How God has, for Christ's sake, forgiven you, forgiven me. That gives me pretty good motivation for Christ's sake to forgive you, doesn't it? Take it out and exercise it. And then Paul talks about faithfulness. If God saved you, he's given you a faithful spirit. Take that faithfulness out and exercise it. Make it stronger by being faithful, by, by being committed to the gospel, by being committed to, to be here when we meet together to worship. That's another way you could really help the, the preaching of the gospel and the, and the worship in this place. How about being here? <laughs> you know, if I was just here by myself, there wouldn't be no worship, would there? You got to be here. That's what we're supposed to do. Be faithful. How can I do? How can I exercise it? How can I do? How? It's by looking to Christ. Oh, if we look to Christ and see how faithful He is. See, you and I are saved by the faithfulness of Christ. Of Christ. Yes, we're saved by, the, by faith in Christ. That's how that salvation is received by, by faith in Christ, by trusting Him and believing Him. But that salvation is accomplished by the faithfulness of Christ. The faithfulness of Christ to do everything it took to save his people from their sin. Now that will motivate you to be faithful. He did 
everything for me. And you work out that faithfulness by prayer. Lord, work in me. Give me the will and the ability to be faithful, to be faithful to you and faithful to your people. Might just go go on and on and on, but you just apply the same rule to to everything you do, to all the the fruit of the Spirit. You want to be more gentle with each other? Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit. Bear much fruit, the Savior said. Well, how can I work that out? By considering how gentle Christ is with me. He's forgiven me of my sin, and He doesn't bring it up anymore. He's so gentle. He's so... I'm weak, I fall asleep while he's praying. He says, well, watch you. couldn't you watch him pray with me an hour? But he, be gentle. Known the weakness of the flesh. Be gentle with each other. We ought to stay and understand each other more than anybody because we're all just alike. How about kindness? Kindness. Oh, if God saved you, he's put an attitude of kindness, a spirit of kindness in you. Well, work that out by considering how kind God is to us. All his kindness to sinners. Just, if you're not happy with any aspect of your spiritual life, tell you what to do. Work it out by looking to Christ. You work it out by, by prayer. Ask God, put some effort in it. I'm mean, begging for it. Ask him to give me the will and the, and the ability to do it. Work it out. All right, that's what we're supposed to do, how we're to do it, by looking to Christ. Here's the third thing. What should my attitude be in working out my own salvation? Well, first of all, our attitude should be that of a child of God, an obedient child, not a religious hypocrite who's trying to impress our friends. Paul says, work out your own salvation. Work that inward grace. Work it out. So there's some evidence of it seen on the outside. I know it's not going to be perfect, but now if God saved me, there ought to be some evidence of it. There's just got to be some evidence of it. There's a new sheriff in town. There's got to be some evidence. See, you do this, though, because God's done a work of grace in you. Not because you're trying to get it. Not because you're trying to get something from God. Not because you're trying to get God to do this work in you. We work this out because God's already done something for us. Do this because God has done something for you, and you want to glorify Him. You want to live... Well, pleasing to him. You're not trying to impress your religious friends. You're not trying to impress the preacher, the missionary. You're doing this out of love and, and obedience to God. See what Paul says in verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Paul's saying, don't do this because I'm there making you do it. Don't do it because you're trying to impress me. Even when I'm not there, you do it. You work this out. Do it because God's put a new nature in you. Do it because you're being obedient to God, not because you're trying to to impress me. Don't do this because you're trying to to impress the folks in the congregation and get them to think you're such a great guy. Do it because you love God. Do it it because He's put this in you. And work out your own salvation with an attitude of obedience and reverence to our Heavenly Father. In verse 14, Paul says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Now, I read this verse this week. I thought about Janet's cousin. Janet has a cousin who's, she's a great mother. I love being around her and her husband and her children. And I guess you'd say her kids are pretty much grown now. 
And this is what she would tell her children as they were growing up about what their parents told them to do. She said, do it obediently, do it immediately, and do it cheerfully. That's what Paul's saying here. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Murmuring. That's, that's grumbling under your breath. The word means a secret argument. This argument under your breath. Holding hard feelings about somebody, you know. And disputing is an open argument. It's not just grumbling under your breath. It's outright arguing. Arguing with somebody else. Arguing with God. I'm telling you what. Quit arguing with God. Just quit it. Just quit it. This is the way God saves sinners. Don't argue about it. Don't murmur about it. Bow. Bow. He's told us, bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry when His anger is kindled but a little. You perish from it. Kiss the Son. You quit arguing and believe. Quit arguing and bow. Quit finding fault with everything that's going on around you. Just quit it. And do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do. Just quit arguing. Quit holding secret grudges against each other. And work out your own salvation. Do it obediently. Do it immediately. And please do it cheerfully. Please do it cheerfully. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, in more than one scripture, we'll, we'll just read this one, but in more than one scripture, the Lord points out to us that our attitude matters more to him than what we actually do. Because God's looking on the heart. And this is a very good example of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Do it cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God lo- it's not just giving, God loveth a cheerful giver. Now back in our text, verse 15, we're talking about here about what's our attitude in this thing of working out our own salvation. Do it obediently, immediately, and cheerfully. And then verse 15, that should be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Now, as I said earlier, do whatever it is that you can do to help the gospel be preached to our generation. And that's not just here. Paul is talking about when you're out there in the world, when you're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Boy, you go to work and you think, oh my, I'm in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. I'm in the midst of this dark, dark generation, dark world. Well, you know, in that dark world, you can help the gospel be preached. Now, if we go around acting like a horse's hind end, you know what people are going to think? I don't want anything to do with his religion. Not one blessed thing. But it could be if we shine as lights in the dark world. It could be if we act like God's done something for us. If he's given us some wisdom, some graciousness, some love, some compassion for people. That not a 
self-righteous religious nut job, but a kind and gracious person who trusts God. It could be somebody will say, I'm willing to listen to him. I'm willing to listen to what he's got to say. Looks like his religion has done something for him. Done it. Maybe. It could be. It could be. It could be that the Lord is pleased to bring one of his sheep out of that crooked and perverse and dark generation that you're out there with every day. It could be the Lord's plucking one of them out and bringing them to hear the gospel because they think there might be something to what you're, what you're saying. There might be something to what you're preaching. I'm going to come check it out. I tell you, I'd love to be used of the Lord in that way, wouldn't you? My goodness. Work out your own salvation for the gospel's sake. For the gospel's sake. I tell you, that'll motivate a believer every time. And do it, Paul says, with fear and trembling. This is a good place to end. Do it reverently. Fear and trembling. Not because I'm try- trying to get people to be impressed with me. Because I want people to be impressed with my Savior. Do it reverently. Remember, attitude is so important. An attitude of reverence is the only way God can be worshipped. If we're proud because of how well we're working out our own salvation, I'm afraid the Lord won't meet with us. He can only be worshipped in an attitude of, of reverence and humility. So work out your own salvation. Work out by, by seeking the Lord and seeking His will Because you need Him. Because you need Him. Because you need Him to save you. Because you need Him to be merciful to you. Because you need Him to forgive you. And because you need Him to work powerfully in you. To give you both the will and the ability to do His will. All right. I hope God will bless that to you. Let's bow together. Our Father, we, we bow before you. Humbly and reverently and thankfully, with hearts full of thanksgiving. Father, how we thank you for your mercy and your grace and your undeserved love to your people in Christ our Savior. Father, how we thank you for the gospel of Christ that declares how God saves sinners completely, fully, and freely through the obedience and through the sacrifice of Christ. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you've given us here, some, some knowledge, some heart to love and believe the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray you take this message and that you'd, you'd use it for the glory of Christ, that you'd use it to, to reveal to sinners who he is and what he's done for his people. And Father, use this to will, give us the will and the ability to work out our own salvation, to to serve you faithfully in our generation, to be a help, not a stumbling block one to another, that the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace might continue to be preached here in the power of thy spirit. It's in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.